At our Leaders Away Day in December, we spoke about what topics we want to preach on after Christmas and before we go to the Vineyard National Leaders Conference the last week of this month. And we didn't want to start a new preaching series now, or even do vision casting now, until we had come back from the, the NLC, because at the NLC, we really believe God's got something to say to us, as not just us as a local church, but the Vineyard as a body within this nation of UK and Ireland. Um, and so we didn't want to start a whole new preaching series um, before then, because it's only a couple of weeks. And so uh, we plan to, to start with Jill, as she did last week, doing My One Word, which is just a good thing to get people going, to help us, to encourage us, to find our word for the year, to challenge us, um, and uh, to, to encourage us to do that. And she's already asked you, but I want to ask you, how are you doing with finding your one word? Um, has anyone got their word yet? Has anyone got their word yet? I'm going to put my hand up. Yeah, you've got your word. That's great. No pressure. There's no pressure to do it. Um, and I think I have mine. And the, the word is helpful. Helpful is the word that I felt God give to me, even it was last Sunday as we were sitting here and Jill was talking, I really felt there was a word for me. And I've been trying to apply my one word to the things I do, I say, I read, I listen to, I watch on TV, etc. And I want my words, my deeds, my actions to be helpful um, for myself, but mainly for others, and to be helpful for God and His kingdom. Um, and so I was then planning... You know, my one word happened. I've got my one word now. I'm happy. I want to. I was then planning to do sort of one or two one-off topics in these three next, this week, to, uh, next week, and the week thereafter, um, over the Sundays. And I'd started preparing my first message, but God intervened, and it was one of those one of those things that just God comes in, and He changes things. He says, "Yeah." Go, go with this. So on Wednesday night, while the kids' ministry leaders were meeting at our place, um, I went to the Croydon Church's Forum prayer time. There was, a, there was a prayer meeting on Wednesday night at New Life Church, and I think I forgot to announce the prayer meeting last Sunday. Not very helpful. Hey, you know, sort of missed out on my word. But, uh, so sorry, please forgive me for that. But I went along on Wednesday night, um, and after the welcome and some worship, Freddie Robertson who's the pastor of Christian in Action Church in Addiscombe, um, got up. He's an American, um, black American guy, got up, and he shared some thoughts. He said, I've got three minutes, but he's a pastor, so three minutes get stretched. You know, they always do. And uh, he just got up to share some thoughts of his recent sermon series that they've been going through on the book of Exodus. They've looked at Genesis, and now they're in Exodus, um, looking particularly at the Israelites, in the wilderness. And what he said really resonated in my heart with me, and I felt it would be helpful for us as a church to ponder on his thoughts. So I managed to get hold of his notes on their website. They had his notes up for the message, so that's incredibly helpful. Um, and so what I've got to, to say today is predominantly what he says, not my words, but his words. But then, as God's word says, under the sun there's nothing new. You know, and this is, they're not his words. These are God's words that he's shared through um, Freddie. And we're all children of God, and we can, we can borrow words from other people. It's not stealing, because we just need to acknowledge where it's come from. And, I mean, so most of these thoughts are him. So the wilderness, if we want to take the lessons from the wilderness, is what I want to look at. 
today. And the purpose of it is to help the church understand that we're in a similar place to the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And we must be careful not to make the mistakes that they did. Um, going into the wilderness. I mean, my, Dave and Jen are going off into the wilderness, but a different type of wilderness. That It's a, it's a country that's got some wonderful wild places. Um, so the children of Israel were finally free from the bondage and slavery. And what happens next? In Exodus 15, 22, it says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Three days in the wilderness and found no water. God led them into the wilderness. There was a reason for him taking them into the wilderness. Um, The wilderness is where your sanctification begins. Our sanctification begins in the wilderness. Most of us were in the wilderness before we came to know Jesus. But it was in that wilderness that our sanctification begins. It happened to Joseph. Do you think about Joseph? God gives Joseph a dream of future greatness, and then he's sold by his blood brothers into slavery. And he goes through a wilderness period. And in that time, if you know the story of Joseph, his life is refined, and his, his attitude, really, his arrogance is removed from him. And he becomes this humble man who is able to lead a nation and stop, prevent it from going through hunger and starvation. Wish some of our leaders in Africa would learn from them. It happened to David. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David in 1 Samuel 16, 13, says that, and before long he was running away from King Saul. He'd been anointed as the next king. And after his anointing came, the Spirit of God came upon him, he was running away from Saul. He was in the wilderness. He was hiding out in the caves of Adullam with those that were discontent, those that were disadvantaged, just the the desperate were with him. Um, And so even though he'd been anointed to do great works, he had a wilderness time. It happened to Jesus. Jesus, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, what did he do? The Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And he was tempted by the devil in that time. He he withstood what the devil was wanting to do with him, trying to tempt him with it. But 40 days and 40 nights, he was in the wilderness. He had a wilderness experience. His sanctification being there, that's when he changed. Up to that point of his baptism and the Holy Spirit descending upon him, there's very little that Jesus had done that we know about, apart from being a young lad, um, discussing stuff with, uh, with the, the people in the temple when he was 12 years old. If you're going to be useful to God, you must pass through the wilderness. You don't stay there. You need need to pass through it. The wilderness experience is something we go through. We don't live in the wilderness. Because it's dry, it's desolate. It's not a place to live in. Why the wilderness? It's where you learn about yourself through pressure. We have a wonderful friend who is a pastor, one of the, the apostolic leaders back in South Africa that we were part of. And he said... When you are under pressure, that's when your true self is exhibited. When you are under pressure, because that's when you react out of who you really are. You act at that time. When you're under pressure, you act. You find out who your true self is and what you're capable of doing. Under pressure. Wilderness times, there's pressure. It's where you learn to overcome temptation. That's what Jesus did. 
He overcame the temptation. It's where you learn to trust God. And Moses did that. If you think about it, he had a wilderness experience before he even went back into Egypt and took them out of slavery. He had had his wilderness experience in the burning bush. Um, he learned to trust God, to go back. So I can't go back to Egypt. I can't go and do what you want me to do. I can't do that. But God said, you can, because I'm with you. I'll go before you. And we learn to trust God. We had to trust God when we felt God call us to go to Malawi and church plant. We had no idea how he would bring it about. We were prepared to give up everything and go there and do what we, we felt God wanted, wanted us to do. Go and church plant. Go and start a church in Malawi. We knew very little about it, about Malawi, but I knew God had called me to go and church plant. And then God opened the doors. Where Jill got a teaching position at an international school that meant we had housing, free housing, free education for our kids, flights backwards and forwards between South Africa and Malawi at the end of every contract. Trust. We learned to trust God. And he came through for us. We had 13 and a half wonderful years in Malawi. And then he brought us over here. And we've had nearly 10 years of amazing time of trusting God. Trusting God. But I know I can trust him because of what we've gone through already. He helps and he blesses us and he's shown us. It's where you learn to fight as well. In the wilderness you learn to fight. If you think about it, the Israelites had been slaves for 400 years. They'd never had to fight a battle. Their biggest fight was to try and find enough straw to make the bricks. That was their biggest fight. They never had to fight. They were slaves. They were protected in many ways from that thing. But they had to learn to fight. Because in the wilderness there are going to be battles. And we've got to learn to fight. They had to change from being slaves to warriors. Not warriors, but warriors. Okay. And in the wilderness it's where your priorities are challenged. What is important? you. Actually, what is important to God? Because that's what is important for you. It's in the wilderness. So what is the wilderness like? The wilderness can be a dry place. There's no water. Three days they went without water. It's usually an uncomfortable place. You don't go out. There's not much pleasure out there. Um, I mean, yes, nowadays you can go into the Middle East, you can go to Dubai and whatever, and you can go out into the wilderness there, but you go out in a 4x4, four four, and you go and ride over sand dunes and things like that, or you go and visit uh, a tent that, that have been set up um, for you to go and have a lavish meal there, but that doesn't belong in the wilderness, that's been taken out into the wilderness. Okay? We, the wilderness is not a place where, where you go for pleasure. It is wild animals. People who, wish, uh, people who wish to devour you, you know, in the wilderness. When you're in the wilderness, there's people coming against you that want to destroy you, that want to stop you doing what God has called you to do, to stop you becoming who God has created you to be. To be. That's what happens in the wilderness. And it's always, it's, it's always a place where there, there will be a lacking in supplies out in the wilderness. They're not, supplies aren't abundant out in the wilderness. You've got to know where to look. And you've got to know who to trust out in the wilderness. Um, in Namibia and Botswana, the, the, the bushmen who live in those, in those areas, they roam around. They've been living there for thousands of years and they know where they can find the plants that are hidden underground that they can get water from. But there's not lots of it. There's not a, an, an unending supply of it. 
but they've got to find those suppliers. And that only comes through knowing where they are, knowing where they're living, and knowing their surroundings. And we need to do that. We're in a wilderness. We need to know who supplies our needs, and it's God. Jesus is, is the one who supplies our needs. Are you in the wilderness? Perhaps being a Christian has meant that things have been difficult for you. Are you in the wilderness? Have there been difficulties in your time, your time of being a Christian? Maybe you've been married for a few years and you're finding your spouse is not what you thought they would be. Eh? Um, maybe not more than, it might be more than just a few years. Um, but no, you know, marriage. You, you have these ideals when you're getting married. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful time. And God, God encourages marriage. He, he delights in marriage. You know, it's a, whole, it's a depiction of who he wants to have that relationship with us as there is between a man and a woman. But there could be wilderness times in your marriage as well. Or your job. It was great for a while, and then suddenly things have become difficult. You know, there's a wilderness experience in your job. Or even the church. When you arrive at the church, it's great, it's exciting, it's new, there's people you get to know, there's people that you, you know, different things, doing things differently from where you've been before, but then suddenly there's struggles in the church. There's struggles, something comes up. So let's see what happened to him when, when the, the Israelites first entered the wilderness. I want to read the full section of, well, more of Exodus 15, so verses 22 to 27. It says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they would not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. After three days, they found no water God often uses a three-day period to prepare us to hear him or to do something important. A three-day period. Moses told Pharaoh that they wanted to go three days into the wilderness to go and worship God. And he wouldn't let them do that. The spies of Joshua hid three days when they went into Jericho. Esther asked the Jews to fast for three days. When, when there was this, they're, they're going to be destroyed. Jonah was in the fish for three days. Jesus predicted he would rise again after three days. When they talking about the temple, he said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll rebuild it. They, were, they thought he was talking about the physical temple, he was talking about his body. And just this morning in, in my readings, I was reading about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac walked for three days to get to the mountain where Abraham was to sacrifice Isaac. It was a three-day journey. Three days. It's a significant period of time in God's, in God's economy and in his kingdom. After three days, they arrived at a place called Marah, which had water, but the water was bitter. And the people complained against Moses. 
not against God, but actually they were complaining against God because Moses really was their image of God to them at that time. He was leading them. And we need to remember that these people had seen the miracles uh, uh, that had happened in Egypt, you know, the, the plagues and everything that happened there and where they had been protected, where the Egyptians had been suffering. They had seen those miracles. And yet they still grumbled and they moaned. They were also just out of slavery and they had to get accustomed to living by trusting God. Up to then, everything was supplied for them. Now they were in a different situation. They were in a situation where they had to trust God. And we were much like that with going to Malawi when we felt God said go. It was, yeah, we're going. And we don't know what's going to happen. We had to trust God. We had to trust Him. And He came through. And He blessed us with so much thing, so many things. By complaining to Moses, they were really complaining to God because Moses was simply following the orders of God. Moses went where God led him. And we've got to remember that and we've got to learn from that. Moses went where God led him. How many times do we go places where God hasn't led us or do things that we know God is not in, that he hasn't led us into that? We need to be aware of that. And it's sometimes difficult because we, we just respond to things without actually asking God because he's given us a brain and he's given us the ability to think and make decisions but also he wants us to trust him and rely on him far more than I think actually we do. And I know I do. I make decisions without consulting God. And it's not right. The people had very little faith in God. Like, what shall we drink? And Moses did what he was used to doing. He cried out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. Moses was doing that all the time. I and mean, from the time of the burning bush onwards, you just see he was crying out to the Lord. I can't do this. I'm unable to do this. But God, you've got to come through. With all the plagues, he is crying out to the Lord. And then the Lord showed him a tree. He showed him what to do with it. The miracle came. The waters were made sweet. Now I grew up in a place called Amanzim Toti. It's a Zulu word that means the place of sweet waters. The river that's there now needs more than just this tree thrown into it to make it sweet water. It's not quite the, the lovely sweet water that it was back in the days when Shaka Zulu named it Amanzim Toti. Um, but it's a place of sweet waters. And that's where God wants us to live, where there's sweet waters. And the tree is often a sign of life in Scripture. If you think of the tree, at the beginning, in Genesis, there was a tree. There were trees, many trees, but there were two trees in the center that they were told not to touch. And when they ate from the one, God said, we've got to banish them so they do not eat from the tree of life. Else they'll have eternal life. And there was the tree upon which Jesus hung. The cross. And it enables us, us to have eternal life. Without that tree, we are nothing. We have to have that tree in our lives, understand Jesus died on that tree for us and that's how we can have eternal life. We have a spiritual life because of that. And then there's the tree of life that stands alongside the river that's flowing through the New Jerusalem in um, Revelation 22 and bears its fruit 12 times a year. It's bearing its fruit, the different fruits for it. The tree, there's this consistent reference to the tree in, in scriptures and it's all about life, giving us life. 
giving us life, the tree that gives us life. Moses took a part of this tree, threw it into the water, and that water that was bitter suddenly became water that could sustain life. The tree. In the wilderness, God did something there. He made a statute. He made a statute. He said, if you follow my statute, we need to look at that. Um, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. There's a statute. The law was given to them in the wilderness. And part of the series that that he was teaching on, going through, you look at Genesis, it's the beginning, Exodus, Leviticus, the law is given, and then it's the decrees and the teachings and the temple, everything is set up. So the, the statute was set. He told them what they had to do. God said, in the wilderness, this is how you have to live. This is what you have to do. He made an ordinance, a, a judgment. Um, and he told them what would happen if they did not do what God told them to do. They would suffer the same things that the Egyptians had suffered. And he tested them. He tested them. But to prove them, to make sure that they knew they could trust him. He wanted them to know what they were really like. He wanted them to understand who they were really like without him. How they responded. So the statute that was given was diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God. Listen to God. Do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments. Keep his statutes. Keep his laws. The ordinance. I'll put none of the diseases on you that I brought on the Egyptians. And you will not be under judgment that they had received. And the test was, I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. Will they believe him for that? How would they respond? If you think just a little bit further on, they had the plague of the snakes that they were getting bitten. What they had to do, you had to make the, the, the cross and put one of them up there, the bronze snake, and they, when they looked to death, that they were healed. They had to look to God to be healed. And we need to do the same thing. And then afterwards, he gave them rest. They came to Elam with the palms. And, and the word Elam means palm tree. Um, so they, they came to, to Elam with 12 wells of water, which was more than enough for them. So one for every tribe. One for every tribe. They had their own well. And there were 70 palm, palm trees for shade and comfort. He gave them rest. Now, are we in a similar place to they were in at that point? Like the children of Israel, we've been redeemed and justified. Like the children of Israel, we've been sanctified. And for me, I really believe for the last six or seven months, might be a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, that I've been in a wilderness phase myself um, without really realizing it. And it's caused the church to be in a bit of a wilderness phase as well. There have been incredible spiritual attacks on a number of people in this church. Not everybody knows about them. There's a few of us that know about just about all the spiritual attacks that have been taking place. But I'm sure there have been others that we aren't even aware of that you've kept for yourself, that uh, you, you haven't shared with other people, or you've shared with other trusted friends, and that, but you haven't felt you wanted to worry the leadership of the church. But there have been spiritual attacks here in this church. Now, I have been spiritually dry. My prayer life has not been good. It's not been as, as it should be. It's not, not been as it has been in the past. My Bible reading has been mechanical more than delightful. I'm consistent with my Bible reading, but it's been more mechanical than really 
delving into God's word and looking for the nuggets that he has for me. I do it because I know I need to do it. Because I've been in a dry place. I've not had a good spiritual rhythm. I've been doing fine, but not good or great. So I've been doing fine, but not good or great. And I believe that has affected the church. But thank goodness for Jill, because she's been far better at me than the spiritual disciplines. And God has given the two of us to lead together. And I really believe there's a lot that she's carried. That, that she shouldn't have to have carried because I was in a dry place. But no, this year, God's just done something in the last while where my spiritual life is being revived. And it's just starting to put in, into place those practices that we've learned about. The last couple of years, Lynn and I have been on spiritual, uh, the soul care retreats that we've done for the last three years, and I've learned these things, but I haven't been practicing them properly. And I'll encourage you to make sure that you're practicing spiritual disciplines in your life, else you end up dry. You end up where there's no life in you, or there's very limited life. Don't get like that. So I only say, please forgive me for allowing my dryness to affect you guys in the church. God's given us Statutes. He's teaching us what to do and how to follow him. And part of what we're doing in the connect groups is part of this. Wanting to get people out of those places of dryness and despair and just helping them to learn to connect with God. So I'm beginning to practice more spiritual disciplines in my life. And as I said, Jill's far better in it than me, um, else we'd be in a far worse place than we are right now. And that's why we're going into the season of the connect groups, of going deeper. We want each one of you to go deeper with God, individually. But sometimes it's so much easier to do it with others because you've got people encouraging you and saying, come on, do this, encouraging. And that's why with my one word, we want to encourage you. Every week we're going to be up here asking you, have you got your word? How are you doing with your word? The people in welcome are going to be maybe challenging you as well, not challenging you in a bad way, but encouraging you to say, How's your, how are you doing with your one word? Because we want to encourage one another and build one. We're a family. And we don't want to see anybody struggling. So he's given us statutes. Helping us all to develop spiritually. And he's given us ordinances. He's telling us what will happen if we obey him. He wants to bless us. He wants to pour out his blessing upon us. And we are being put to the test. We will be tested. There will be tests. Not by God. The enemy comes again and again to try and test us. So let's learn from the experiences that the, the, the Israelites had in the wilderness and make sure that we do not make the same mistakes. On Wednesday night, Freddie said that he had a sense that many of God's people in Croydon may be in the wilderness right now. And that's what struck me. That's what resonated with me. I knew he was talking to me. He was talking about me. And I felt as a church we were in that place as well. There's been some good things happening in the church, but I think we, we're not where we should be with God. Are we finding things difficult? Are we experiencing opposition? Yes, we are. We have experienced a lot of opposition in this past year, especially the second half of this last year. Jill and I, personally, and others in the leadership team have experienced opposition. But at the same time, aren't we learning to worship? And I think we have, as a church, it's one of the things that we love doing. 
is worshipping. And it's one of the things that I think we are good at, at worshipping. Not just singing songs, but worshipping. And it's one of the areas that we've been attacked in, is in worship. That's been an area we've been attacked in worship. Um, some of you will be aware of it, some of you won't be. But we need to be worshipping. And that's why worship is such an important part of what we do here. And we'll never just cut short worship because we don't think it's relevant. It is so relevant for us. And we're to rest on Him more than ever. We have to trust God and rest in Him. And that's what resonated with me. That's what struck me was this whole situation. And then he finished off with this in his three-minute talk. Um, Be encouraged. There's a harvest coming. There's a hunger among people for reality. Something new is coming. Something new is coming. There's a hunger among people for reality. And there is. If you look at the world today, people are hungry for the truth. There's so much misinformation and nonsense going on in the world today where we bring the truth of who Jesus is and the life that he's given us. When we talk about what God has done in our lives that people can't refute, that is the truth that we've got to take to the people. So let's learn from these lessons of being in the wilderness. And I trust that if you've been through a wilderness experience or you're busy going through a wilderness experience that you will put your trust in God and that this has been helpful to encourage you to say, I want to worship God. And that's where it starts. Worship. Worship God. Everything we do must be worship. Your work that you do on a daily basis, that needs to be seen as worship. Even if you're not enjoying your job, go into it with saying, I'm here because I'm here to serve others, to be a blessing to others, to, and worship God in wherever you're working. In your family, worship together. It's one of the things Jill and I have started doing is just trying to make time in the evenings. We just put on, go onto YouTube. I've got a whole lot of worship songs on my phone um, and we just put the TV on with the, the YouTube on and go through, spend 45 minutes, an hour, or even longer, just worshipping, just worshipping, worshipping. And it's such a wonderful time to be together. It's one of the, the disciplines that we're trying to practice more regularly. And one of the problems is my job is I don't work a nine-to-five job outside of leading the church in my other days, but we make the best of the time that we have with God. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you that even though we might be going through a wilderness period in our life, you are with us and you're taking us through it. But God, Psalm 23 tells us that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil, but we walk through it. We walk through it. You are with us, your rod and your, and your staff, they comfort us. And I thank you, Lord, for that. And I pray now for anybody here who's going through a wilderness experience, that you will reveal to them just how close you are to them, that they will know your presence and your love and your power at this time. Thank you, Lord. And Father, for those who are gathered at the spring, sitting in the shade, I just thank you for them as well, Lord God that they are in a good place. That in that good place, they too will be rejoicing and praising and glorifying you. And they'll be sharing the love that they have and the glory and the, the present, your presence. They'll be sharing that with others. So thank you, Father, for this. Teach us to walk hand in hand with you. 
as you lead us through the wilderness. Help us to learn what you have for us, to learn that we don't have to go through the wilderness once more. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just one last thing that uh, what he said was the wilderness should have been not even a year's journey, but they spent 40 years there because they wouldn't listen to God. Make sure that your journey through the wilderness is the shortest possible distance.